All right. Hey, everybody. This is the Ridge Hunter Podcast. Uh, we're going to try to start doing this on a weekly, maybe bi-weekly basis. Uh, I'm Kenyon Clark here with Nate Burgess. Um, he's going to help me out with it. I'll also have a few other guys on, probably occasionally, um, guys filling in. Essentially, what I want to do um, with our business, we see a lot of guys on consultations and stuff that I think need some help sorting through all the stuff they see on Facebook or on TV. It kind of leads them astray on some things. So I want to get in here and talk with some guys who have experience and who've killed some nice deer and have been hunting for decades about stuff that they've been successful with, stuff that hasn't worked, all that kind of good stuff, and maybe help you guys out um, as far as knowing what to do, what not to do, things like that. I'm going to try to pick articles out of um, one of several magazines for this. So tonight we're going to look at an article by Alex Comstock. It's in North American Whitetail. I believe it's the August edition. It's called It Takes More Than a Picture. Essentially what he's talking about here is not relying solely on your trail cameras for your scouting, whether or not to hunt stands, things of that nature. So we'll get right into it. First of all, Nate, introduce yourself. How long you been... Bow hunting, gun hunting, whatever. Uh, Nate Burgess, I am 28, almost 29 years old. Uh, gun hunting ever since I had my hunter safety, uh, probably eight years old, I think. Before that, Dad would let me take my BB gun with him. Uh, I thought I was really doing something there. Uh, bow hunting, I think I killed my first deer, button buck, when I was 14. Um uh, I've been fortunate enough to kill a few good ones, uh, but I just have a blast out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go every chance I get, try to take two or three weeks off in November, you know. Yeah. Um, man, it sure is a lot of fun. Yep. That's my first bow buck was a button buck, too. I think I shot at him three times. Yep. <laughs> I was I was nine or ten, you know, hunting by myself out of a tree stand seven foot off the ground. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so we'll jump right into this. Um I kind of, part of the reason I picked this article is because this guy, this Alex Comstock is 26 years old. So he's kind of right around our age. Yeah. Um, but sounds like he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. Got a pretty good article here. So um, he starts out, he says, as a 26-year-old fanatic deer hunter, trail cameras have always been a part of my deer hunting toolkit. Given my age, I've never experienced what it's like to hunt without them. To be honest, it's hard to imagine deer hunting without cameras. So I want to stop right there because... I know even being 24 that I can remember, like you said, I started hunting when I was eight years old, old enough to go by myself, yeah. you know, with a little bow that was pulling 40 pounds or whatever in the legal. As soon as I could pull the legal, whatever it was, you know, yeah. I was hunting by myself. I wasn't running cameras when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way. I probably didn't start really running cameras till probably I got my license somewhere around 16, 17. So I get what he's saying because obviously they were available. But I think it's kind of a different perspective because, and maybe you kind of the same way, we kind of see it where we weren't hunting with cameras. And now I know you run a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I run a lot of them. Um, cell cameras, traditional cameras, both. Um, <clears throat> kind of have both of those perspectives where we can see, kind of remember what it was like without them. And then now that we've got them too. So there's kind of both of those perspectives there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember uh, uh, when I first started. I just went to whatever tree I liked to sit in, whatever stand I thought was fun to go to. You right. Know. Um, I would go in, and there'd be deer take off running, you know, before I ever got to the tree. Yep. I mean, that's uh, that's the way it was when I was 14, you know. Right. I'd like to think I'm smarter now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully. Um, 
yeah, I was kind of the same way. Like, fortunately for me, I had a little bit of help from the old man because I can't count the number of big deer I saw and missed because I just wasn't, you know, I get yep. to shaking like a leaf on a tree and I probably couldn't literally hit the broad side of a barn from 20 yards with that little bow I was shooting. <laughs> but uh, so fortunately, I had a little bit of help from him hey you need to go sit here and maybe i would maybe i wouldn't maybe i'd think well it's gonna get dark and i don't want to walk that far back to the truck so i ain't gonna go quite that far you know and then but other than that yeah it was just kind of okay this tree is easy and it's pretty close to the house so we'll go with it um yep wasn't a lot of scouting involved back in those days yeah yeah i hear you and i know some of the older guys i was reading something earlier um and maybe one of the guys other guys that's on this will be able to remember these little devices but the guy said he remembers before cameras, they had a string they'd stretch across the trail yes. with a little box on the end of it. And whatever tripped that string, it'd pull the timer on it so you knew what time something went through there. Now, whether that was a coon or a possum or a deer or what, that's right. Something the, went through there. The trail timer did. Uh-huh. Yep. So that was a little different back then, too, than what we got now. Yep. But uh, I think it probably helps us realize that, because like I said, even then I was seeing big deer with just a little bit of scouting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it without cameras. I think, oh, yeah. I think if you can get them, and there's some, you can go to Walmart now and buy a $35 camera. Yep. Maybe it'll last a year. Maybe it'll last two years. Yep. Might be a little hard on batteries, but they're pretty accessible anymore. Oh, yeah. As opposed to when they first came out, for sure. Yep. Um, I think they're a really good tool. I mean, if you can get one, I think you ought to be using it because it can help you. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But we're getting into that a little bit here where he's talking about not necessarily relying solely on them, so... He kind of starts off with a little story. Um, he says, even though I've never not had trail cameras as a tool, I don't rely solely on them. Unfortunately, some hunters do, and it can negatively impact their success. He goes on to tell a story uh, back from November 2015. He said he had a trail camera set up about 20 yards from his stand on a scrape. Uh, he checked it when he got to the stand. So he gets in there, and he checks the camera, and he says there was nothing on the camera from like the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was kind of... Not real early in the evening, but he still kind of toyed with the idea of going somewhere else. Just because of that camera, there wasn't nothing on it. He said, he goes on to talk about that hunt a little more. Says he saw 10 to 15 deer that evening, two to three shooter bucks, and one or two of them were within 15 yards of him. Yeah. So he didn't get a shot at any of them, but they were within bow range. He said, thinking about it, and it hit him on the way back to the truck, had he just gone off that trail camera nothing being there he would have went somewhere else and never had those encounters with those nice deer never had that sit anything yep. like that yep i know there's been times where i kind of done the same thing and they've got the readers for your phones now yep and all that so get to the stand pull the card on the camera on your way in wherever it may be and be sitting there kind of disappointed because there ain't nothing on the camera that's right and then lo and behold you sit there and you see some nice deer you see several deer anything like that i mean Yep. I, that's happened to me several times. I don't know if you've had similar experiences. Oh, yeah. I'll plug the card reader into my phone. You sit there and you see the same group of three or four does come out every night, you know. Um, but the bucks, ah, they might not be doing the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I've i sat there several times. Uh, uh, try to keep cameras on uh, on scrapes uh, early season. Uh, that's just what I've normally done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 the nicer bucks, they might just kind of skirt the edge of the food plot or something, you know, and they wouldn't come into that scrape. Uh, he might at two in the morning or something, right. you know, or just a little bit after dark, uh, but daytime, daytime movement, you know, just cause you're not getting it on the camera. You might not have the camera in a great spot. You right. Know? 
Right. Um, so yeah, it uh, uh, you can't rely solely on them, but they are a great tool to use. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said there was good because that's something I wanted to talk about putting them on scrapes early in the season. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily go in put a camera up somewhere unless summer to the fall. If I'm running cameras in the summer, which I don't do all the time, just because a lot of deer that are in there in the summer, depending on your property and how it lays out, aren't necessarily going to be there in the fall. Yep. Um, yep. So they obviously they'll spend a lot of time in the summer and other places than they will during the hunting season. So, but if you run cameras in the summer, when I do, I might move them from one place to another from the summer to the fall. Now in yeah. season, I'll generally try to set up two different, maybe three different setups or whatever it is mm-hmm. on a given property, depending on how many cameras I've got tied up wherever else on maybe one spot that I know the deer historically, and that's something else we'll talk about, have been in there in October and then I'll have another camera in a set that's more for a November rut kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That way, like you're talking about, you can still get those early season pictures of them, and then when they stop using whatever it was they were using then, the rut comes along, they're chasing does, they're running different trails, stuff like that. Um, then I get pictures of them during that time on that other camera when I may not be getting them on the first camera. Yeah. So yeah. when that may be something, because he's talking about November here, that may be something happened to him. He doesn't say a lot about his camera setup other than the fact that it was on a scrape. Maybe those deer just weren't working the scrape at that time because they were busy chasing does. Yep, that's right. So, it may be one of those things had he had another camera somewhere else on a different trail or maybe where bucks would be cutting doe trails, you mm-hmm. know, because they won't always use the same trails, scent check across those or in, an, in a big intersection or something like that. Yep. Maybe he would have saw those deer, which I don't know. He doesn't get into that a lot. I mean, I get the point he's making. I think it's a good point, but there's a lot that goes into that too. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If you try to kind of mix it up a little bit or, or what your thoughts are kind of on that about putting them in different spots or moving them around or whatever. Yep. Um, so I've got, uh, I don't have any big woods that I hunt uh, to speak of. Uh, most of what we have is just uh, thick draws, uh, little creeks running through them, four feet deep, maybe five feet deep, a mm-hmm. uh, little patch of woods uh, here and there, you know. Uh, on those creeks but anyway it's pretty small so i stick to the edges uh, i am fortunate enough i got three or four food plots scattered around normally uh, i don't start running cameras till eh, august normally mm-hmm. i've had them up for about a month now uh, i'll go in there i will put them on uh, what is normally historically uh, a good scrape location uh, as soon as they start shedding velvet i feel like they start Kind of working some scrapes, you know, mm-hmm. not heavy, uh, but they'll they'll rake their horns in the trees a little bit. Um, also, you can uh, you can tie a rope somewhere that you want them to make a scrape, you know. Mm-hmm. They'll kind of come up to that. Uh, you can put some tarsal spray out there, you know. You can try to get them going mm-hmm. uh, on on a scrape that you want them to start and establish. Uh, so I like to try to do that this time of year. Um, get them uh, get them there on the food plots. Uh, of course you'll get some action, you know, as soon as these food plots start coming up, if you've mm-hmm. just planted them. Um, but, uh, try to get those bucks where they're working those scrapes. Um, mm-hmm. try to get a good scrape established if you can, you know, right. hopefully they'll use it for the season. Right. Uh, of course, uh, I do have a couple cell cams. Uh, the majority of them, I still got to pull the cards, you know? Right. Right. So, uh, uh, you can't be, you can't get too excited and want to go check that card all the time. You right. Know? Right. Uh, that, uh, it took me. Uh, a long time to get there, <laughs> yeah. where I wasn't riding the four wheeler in there every Saturday at noon, right? You know, to go check that camera. Yep. You know. Yep. And that's you hit on a couple more things there. I wanted to talk about too. 
Um, first one we'll get to is you talked about food plots, scrapes. Um, those two kind of habitats and the and there's some other habitat improvements, water holes. If you don't have a lot of water around, um, maybe it's a bedding area you've created. It's the location for the cameras. Uh, it's good to try to put them linked up with those habitat improvements that you've either made or maybe those areas that are already there that the deer have been using for years. Um, yeah. Historic sign's a big one about it, too, because yeah. generally those bucks will come back to the same place year over year. But as far as the habitat improvement, putting those cameras on a food plot mm-hmm. or on a mock scrape you've made like you talked about setting up or in between the food plot and bedding on a trail that goes from there. Yep. Uh, we talked a little bit before we started here about some of the clients we see will put cameras up, and there's not a lot of reason for why they put them there other than, like you said, they can, like you were talking about you doing, it's easy to get to with the four-wheeler or the yeah. side-by-side, and they're right <laughs> in there and check the camera, you know, not, yeah. not ever thinking about, okay, how many deer am I spooking out of here for riding sure. in here and checking the camera? Uh <clears throat> but like I said, there's not a lot of other reason for it to be there other than maybe it's on an old trail that doesn't necessarily link up any kind of habitat improvement. It's just one maybe does are using yep. occasionally to go to food, something like that, uh, rather than a trail a buck might be on or there being a reason for him to be there, like yeah. a scrape, <clears throat> like cutting those doe trails, like going from a good buck bedding spot into that food. Yep. So... Looking at those things can really help you get some better pictures and inventory the bucks on your property that way. Oh, yeah. Knowing who's there and who's not. Now, yep. there's always going to be bucks that come in that you don't see. Yep. I think that's part of what he's talking about here. Um, and the next story he gets into, one of his buddies, is kind of a deer that was there for a long time that he didn't even know was there. So there's always going to be there, too, that are living on you that you don't know about that will surprise you. Yep. But I think if you have your camera set up right and you have the right amount of them for your whatever that may be, you know, five cameras on a 40-acre property. Mm-hmm. That's on the higher end. Probably I think you can get away with a, maybe three. Three to five is probably a good range for that size of property if you know where you're putting them yep. to inventory those bucks. But you shouldn't be surprised too often. Um, November rolls around, you're going to have new bucks move in, you know, oh, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, a lot of why guys, I think, are surprised. Like, man, I didn't have that deer on camera. He just showed up. Well, he may have been there the whole time. Yep. You just didn't have your camera in the right place because yep. you had it here where you could get to it easy on the four-wheeler. Yep. That kind of thing. So I think I had some deer that probably played me a lot mm-hmm. when I was uh, oh, several years younger, you know. Yep. Uh, they uh, they knew where I was going, and they would just stay away from mm-hmm. all, all my cameras that I rode. My four-wheeler, yeah. you know. Yep. I mean, they, they're not dumb. No, they, they get big because they get smart. Yeah. Or they get smart when they get big. Something either way. Yep. <laughs> over time, they, <laughs> they definitely know us tendencies sometimes as well as we know theirs, at least the mature bucks. And and that's kind of another point I wanted to talk about was accessibility, putting your cameras. If you don't have cell cameras, if you can't spend the money on it, if you don't want to pay the monthly deal, if you're still pulling cards, I know it's hard, but... Don't go in there every week, you know, checking that camera. Yeah. Don't put it where you got to walk through the middle of your food plot, walk through a bedding area to get to it. Yep. Um, If you're going to put a camera there, make that be your good one where you know the batteries are going to last and leave it all year and come back and then see what you got, Yep. you know, for the next year. Try to put them somewhere, and I was guilty of this, you know, back several years ago, had a food plot set up, had to walk the edge of the woods to come into the stand to get to it. 
<clears throat> and the way everything's set up, I had to walk past my stand, out to the trail of the food plot where we had for the deer to come down, walk straight through that, through the middle of the food plot, and check my camera, and walk back to the stand down that same area where their deer were supposed to be. Yep. And finally, I got smart and thought, you know, I'm leaving an awful lot of sin out there just to check this camera. That's right. And there's probably a reason there ain't nothing on it. Yeah. You know, so I moved that camera out and put a mock scrape as I'm coming into my stand where I have to walk anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and that's not always possible, but you can still generally put it where you don't have to walk down where you're wanting to shoot the deer at or through your food or whatever it that's is right. to check your camera. That's right. And and if you can do it less often, um, generally, you know, not through the middle of the day during the rut, it's probably not a great time either because you yeah. never know when those deer are going to be moving. Yeah. You can probably get away with that in October and and even, you know, later in December and January, going in the middle of the day. But I've had before just going to check a camera, that same camera that I had to walk through the food plot to get through. Um, I was on lunch break, so I thought, well, I'll go check the camera now. This is in, like, the second week of November. Yep. And sure enough, there's a big old gnarly eight-point standing right in the middle of the food plot. <laughs> oh, spooked man. him off, never saw him again. Yep. You know, just not even thinking about it. Yeah. But And that's kind of some of the mistakes that I see and hear talking to guys and think, you know, I was there too, I get it, but you got to think about these things, you know, and sometimes it takes time, but hopefully, you know, doing research, listening to stuff like this and reading or whatever helps guys out with that too, so. Yep. Um, Another thing on kind of the location of them, where you're putting them on those trails and stuff, if possible, if you can face them in a northward, northerly direction, yes, that's great too, because, uh, you don't want to face it straight west, straight east, yes. you know, kind of to the south in general, because there's this great big thing that comes up every morning and sets every evening called the sun. Yep. And you get a lot of pictures with this black ball in the bottom, and yes. it's just white the rest of it. You can't see nothing. Yes. I think we've all probably done that. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, I've got one camera that's facing west, uh, but it's at the bottom of a great big hill. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not get any sun past 2 in the afternoon. Right, you right. Know? That's the only reason I've got that thing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you uh, you got to try to figure out, you know, you got to watch the sun. And if there's any branches, you know, mm-hmm. any weeds or anything, you're just going to get pictures of that blowing in the wind. You know, uh, uh, try to pick a good spot where you're not going to have a bunch of blank pictures that you got to right. sift through and, and it's killing your batteries. Right. And that's, I had the setup that was two of those things one time. I was on the edge of a cornfield. And it was a great spot for the deer to be moving. It was right between the ditch on one side and a little fence row and then this cornfield. Well, my camera was only probably five yards from the edge of the cornfield mm-hmm. facing east. Yep. So the wind would blow and move those corn, move that corn yep. and the leaves on the corn and it'd take blank pictures and then I'd get the sun. I could watch <laughs> the sun come up till it got out of view over to the west. Yep. I had a ton of pictures of the sunrise, but yeah. you know that's, that's something you got to think about too is definitely stuff in front of the camera. Yep. So we'll go back to the article here, that story I was talking about, his buddy. Um, And I won't read all of it. I'll just kind of hit some of the bigger points from it. But uh, he kind of starts with saying what we've been talking about. Uh, He says, trail cameras and the information they provide can most definitely help you make decisions in the fall. He said, however, it's important to remember that they're just a small window into viewing what's going on in the woods. So that's kind of what we've been hitting on. Mm -hmm. Um, They are definitely a great tool. I think you should run them for sure. Just don't put too much into them. And then he goes on to tell about this story. Um, his buddy's hunting on this 60-acre parcel. <clears throat> He's got 10 to 12 cameras on it, he says. Uh, 
a mix of those cameras are in the timber on scrapes and the rest are on edges so he gets in a little bit more where he's got them but still not a lot of specifics so i'm this guy is actually the guy's name he's talking about is brennan nading uh, he's from the show the breaking point so you would think a guy like that probably knows where to put them mm-hmm. you know probably been hunting for a long time probably has a good idea of where to put them so yeah good example of where even if you have them in the right spot, sometimes you're going to have bucks that show up oh, that yeah. you didn't know were there. Um, he said this buck hadn't showed up on any of his trail cameras that he had been putting there for eight years on this piece of property until a week before he killed him. Man. And he didn't know he was there because he hadn't checked the camera yet. Uh, and the crazy thing is, he said it's not like it was a buck that just showed up either because when they were trailing this deer... They found match sets of his sheds Holy 20 cow. yards from where he killed over. Man. Yeah. So it's that I think is a really good example of this is a guy who's who knows what he's doing, most likely. I don't know the guy that well. I've never really heard of him until this article. Um, the Breaking Point, I think I've seen it, know of it. I haven't really watched the show, but uh, got to assume this guy probably knows what he's doing. Yep. 10 to 12 cameras on a 60-acre piece is about right. Yeah. You know, maybe on the little high side. So he's even probably got some in areas he don't need, but they ain't hurting him because he's got other ones where he needs them. If it's a dynamite 60, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he's got room for and, it. And uh, he had no idea this deer was there. Didn't yeah. get a picture of him until seven days before he was there. A mature buck, four, I think four or five-year-old deer. Yep. And then, lo and behold, they find his sheds where he'd been there the last winter. That's right. You know, probably been living his whole life in that area in the fall anyway. Yeah. And didn't even know he was there when he killed him. Yep. Had he checked that camera the week before, not seen that deer, maybe he goes and sits another set, and then then you got a picture of him out in front of your stand, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. two hours before dark. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a good example of, of the point of this article and a guy who who has, who we can probably assume knows what he's doing a little better, still not knowing that deer's there. Now, does he probably know of five six other shooters that are on his property with that main cameras you know there's probably a good chance there's yep. probably a reason he's hunting there anyway for eight years yeah so um it's not that we're trying to say you shouldn't use those trail cameras just if it's a good day to be in the woods and you know that stand should have deer at it don't dismiss it just because you don't have any pictures oh yeah kind for of sure kind, you know for sure um like we talked about earlier we both had sits where kind of the similar thing to him you know maybe not finding match sets 10 yards from where you kill him yeah but definitely nice deer showing up and talked kind of hit on a little bit earlier one of the reasons for that and it wasn't in either of those cases but november rolls around um you know what happens bucks get to move in their home range oh, yeah. out quite a bit farther looking for love yep you know looking for those hot does uh, there's been all kinds of studies that show how many miles 10 15 miles some deer will go yep averages two to five maybe something in there i I don't quote me on that but yeah they'll go a long way during that time of year so you may get new bucks show up on your property maybe that's the reason you're only getting them you know seven days before i don't know i'm sure you've had that happen before oh man um on my food plots uh probably second week in november all the way through to thanksgiving uh, I'm going to say once every three days, I've got a pretty mature new buck that he might just make a pass. He'll probably just hit one camera, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, never seen him before from the stand. Never seen him before on the on the cameras or anything. You know, I can think of a couple of really nice bucks last year that I had come through. They just made a pass. You mm-hmm. know, never seen him before. Never saw him again. And of course, it was at night. They were just out running. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and the two of them especially. I'd have loved to wrap my tag around. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, yeah. But they, they're just roaming, you know. But yeah. if they would have found a doe, they'd have been there. You yeah, know? you know, they could have been there for 10, 12 days. Yeah. Which, I got a piece of property that I hunt that's real similar to that. It's not a very big piece. It's 10 acres is all it is. Lays right in the middle of some really good hunting ground. But the bucks don't necessarily stay in there. But for those first three weeks of November, I'll have generally every year at least one. Last year I had three deer that will move in and i'll have a picture of them and i can pretty much time it from the first picture i get of them to the last one will be almost two weeks 10 to 14 days somewhere yeah. in there they come in there they either find a doe or they're looking for does and then they're gone yep so and that's another thing as far as cameras maybe putting too much stock into them not that you're not seeing the deer but that say i get a picture of that deer on like the 12th day he's been in there yep and i think oh man i'm gonna go spend all the next week and a half of the best part of the season hunting this deer yeah and he's already gone yeah you know so i think there's that side of it too where you could see a real big buck and get excited about him that time of year which is where you really got to be careful in that november time frame getting too excited and over hunting that spot because you think that one deer's there well maybe another spot you should have been that's got got yep. deer on it maybe been there all year or deer that are moving into it you're chasing this deer that's been gone for half a week you know yeah. five days whatever yeah. it is I will say, talking about small spots like that, uh, like I said, I've not got any big woods or anything that I hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this one other patch. It's a 20-acre patch. It's probably got six or seven acres of woods. Mm-hmm. A little bitty spot that I'm able to hunt. I was able to get a food plot out there. Landowner is okay with that. Um, a cell camera, in my opinion, in some of those little spots that you might, you, you're probably not, you might not be holding the big deer. Right. But it's got the potential, you know. Um, two years ago, I can think specifically, I wished I would have had a cell camera. Because like you said, um, there was a big buck, really big buck, showed up one afternoon. Mm-hmm. And he was in the food plot for three nights in a row. Um, daylight, uh, I mean, 20, 30 minutes before dark, you know. And he's right. just bumping these does around, you know. He's waiting for the first one to come in there. Mm-hmm. And I had his pictures, you know, like I said, three days in a row. And, of course, I checked the camera uh, the next time I went in there hunting, uh, four days after he disappeared. Right. You know, so in that instance, uh, if you can afford a cell camera, if you can afford that stuff, I think they're absolutely dynamite because, I mean, looking back, I've had that happen before, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other you know, other places, you'll have one show up. Really nice one. He might be moving in daylight for a couple of days. If you know about him on day one, not day five when he's already gone. Mm-hmm. If you can get in there, you know he's there. You know he's moving in daylight. Um, or if you get a picture of him, you know, uh, one night, say at eight o'clock, ten o'clock at night, you know, right. And he's moving around in there. You think I might have a good chance to kill him in the morning, right? You know? Maybe he just moved in there. This is like his. That's he just moved in that night. Now yeah. I got these next five days or whatever it is to hunt him. Yeah, you know, or like you said, even the next morning. Yeah, I think cell cams. Really, that is a, a huge advantage to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had money to buy more. I've just got <laughs> yeah. two fairly cheap ones. Yeah. I'm satisfied with them. They've not given me any problems. Right. Uh, they're spy points. Um, I've got nothing against them. I got them very cheap. They have certainly performed for the amount of money that I paid mm-hmm. for them. You know, right, right. 120, 130 bucks. Um, yep. 
I don't think they give me any problems. Um, they're pretty reasonable to use. Um, yeah, I got, got nothing against them. They're not expensive. You know, you can pay that much money for a quality, right. high, high quality standard uh, camera that you got to change the cards on, you know. But man, for me, uh, they, and they're exciting, you know, mm-hmm. sending the picture out. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. But for uh, sure. on those small spots, if a guy can afford a cell camera, I think that can really, really help. Uh, but again, you're not necessarily going to always get his picture. Right. Right. And even on that small piece, like what you're talking about, maybe you go in there in October or September, even late August, and you put that camera back in a far corner. Yep. Where, like this property I was talking about, that 10 acres lays out. I know there's big deer move back because there's timber on it, and there's a really good edge where that timber ends and starts getting into the thick stuff off the back corner of it. Well, I got to walk through bedding, some doe bedding and stuff to get there and tromp around in there, and it's all thick, so you're leaving your scent all over the branches and all over the ground to get yep. to it, so I don't run a camera on it. Yeah. A cell cam would be perfect back oh, there. Oh, yeah. You know, in those small spots where that accessibility we were talking about, maybe you don't have, you just don't have it. Yeah. But you can stick that cell camera back there and then it'll send you that picture instead of sticking maybe another camera back there and not being able to check it. That's right. Till the end of the season. Yep. You know, you can, you can look in there and see, okay, that deer's on that trail going this direction towards my stand or whatever. Maybe like you said, just moved in that night, you know, he's on the property now. Yep. Um, and you don't have to go in there and disturb everything. I think cell cameras and that's kind of where we're at now. And you know, they're starting to get into like Cuddyback got their link system where you can even link up all kinds of cameras around, pull a card on one. You get all the pictures from them. You can have all of them send you pictures from that one, whatever it is. Yep. Um, you look at where we're at now with all that stuff versus that string we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, it's hard not to want to utilize that stuff. Yeah. You know, because you know those guys back in the 70s and 80s, and like in the 80s when bow hunting started kind of picking up popularity and hunting in general, would have just killed to have the stuff we got now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and those guys, they did their homework and they mm-hmm. they killed big deer. Yep. And all the tools we've got today, and I'm still behind them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is, you know, like I said, obviously that stuff's tried and true still got to add it in there yep but it's real hard not to use and i don't want anybody to think that's what i'm trying to say by saying not relying too much on them i absolutely think you ought to use them if you can get a cell camera in there that's that's a great tool to use for all the reasons we talked about absolutely want to utilize those because there's just as many probably more examples of guys killing deer because they had cameras oh yeah as opposed to not oh yeah and and i know some guys um You'll know one of them. I'll tell you who it is after. But uh, doesn't use any cameras at all. Says he just likes being surprised. Likes yep. going in there. And don't He doesn't want to know what's there. Yep. Um, guys killed several big deer, you know. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily the way I want to do it because I don't have enough time. Oh, yeah. To go. if I like to kind of know where my best spot's going to be. Yeah. Based on all the information I can get. Yep. Because when I get a chance to go, which, like you said earlier, is as much as possible, but yep. sometimes that ain't enough. Realistic. Never is. Yeah. So I like to have that information to go use and use my time the best I can. Yeah. But uh, there's people out there like that that just don't want to use them, don't want to know what's there, would rather be surprised. Um, don't take any fun of it out of any of the fun out of it for me knowing that they're there. Yep. You know? That's right. But I think you kill them and put their picture up there on the wall with them from that trail camera you got set up but, yep there you go that's me i don't know and like knowing that the way it was and didn't used to use them to now and and 
there's times now I get ex- as excited about checking a camera, you know, oh, yeah. as going to the stand sometimes. Yep. My wife, she loves it. Gosh, yeah. she loves this time of year. Yep. You know, uh, before seasons came in, we'll, we'll leave them for three weeks a month, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll try to go check them, you know. Uh, oh, and she just loves looking through those pictures. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's a lot of fun for sure. And that's, that's what makes it hard not wanting to go in there and check them every week or whatever. Yep. But when you do go pull those, it's, like I said, sometimes it's about as exciting as going sitting in the tree because yep. there's that mystery on the camera too, not just going in there without having a camera and, and seeing what's there, but you don't know what's there before you put that camera out necessarily. You yep. know, what new bucks moved in this year, what young ones you got coming up from the last year. What they've turned into. That's right. Yeah. And that's a cool thing about them too is now there's there's deer that well, you'll have year over year that'll just leave, and new deer that'll come in and... uh it's it's cool to see a young deer that you recognize from one yeah. year come into the next year and you can tell he's the same deer you know yeah. and what he did over the year and, and really helps like with inventory in those bucks and then the names and all that you can get into yep. and all that stuff's fun too i think it adds a cool element to it for sure oh yeah oh yeah um yeah you're talking about the excitement of getting in there when uh uh, when I've really, in my mind, when I've really got to go and, and check one of those cameras I've not been to for a while, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for a rainy day to try to help wash my sin away. Right. I'll wait for a really windy day. Uh, hopefully, they're not up moving around, you know, and I'll mm-hmm. be able to slip in there and check that card. I'm going to try to do it just like I'm hunting, try to keep the wind in my face when I'm going in there. Right. Not let my wind be blowing, you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, having the patience to to sit and wait for that opportunity you know yeah that's difficult i've got a couple of cameras that uh they're in good spots but i can't can't get the time to check them you know right, right. um try to get them close to my entry and exit routes going in or out from hunting you know uh but sometimes uh sometimes it just doesn't work out you know right, right. uh you got to make a little circle out of your way uh, mm-hmm. but anyway try to be strategic about when you're going in there and checking those things for sure and obviously we all i say we all most of us think about our wind when we're going in to hunt that what you said about checking your cameras is just important and maybe it's a day where it is raining or the wind's blowing like crazy and you don't want to be out sitting in a tree that's a day you go check a camera rather than going and sitting in a tree you could Um, yep but still think about your wind as you're going in maybe your wind's not good to sit in that stand but it's good to check a camera or maybe you think okay my my wind is good to sit in that stand so I'll go check my camera. You never think about the cameras located just a little bit different where that wind's really going to hurt you blowing over yeah. a bedding area or, or yeah. wherever there's deer may be when you go in to check it. So that's something to think about too, not only just the frequency of it, but what's going on when you're going to check it as far as scent too because, you know, that's one of the biggest killers, especially with big bucks, is, is scent. Oh, yeah. That's obviously their best tool. So. Yep. They, uh, gosh, I, I've seen... Uh, yeah. even three-year-olds, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, just watching an old doe, especially. Oh, um, yeah. She'll tell you. About, they're savvy. <laughs> yeah, she'll tell you about all you need to know about how much they're they're looking for you. That's right. You know, uh, they run across your scent no matter, I mean, no matter what you do. I keep mm-hmm. my, my clothes in totes. I uh, use some of the ozone stuff, you know. I'll use some spray. Uh, I'll roll around in the weeds next right. to the truck right you know whatever i think i might be able to do mm-hmm. uh to get rid of my scent I try to be super careful uh, but yeah no matter what you do that old doe she smells where you might have walked you know 
and she'll sit there and she'll mess with you for 20 minutes. She'll be smelling and she'll pace back and forth, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get on to you so quick. It, a little, it doesn't take very many little mistakes nope. uh, to it really sure change don't. things for you. And I get pictures of those deer sniffing around on the camera, you yep. know, too, which... Oh, yeah. Which... I don't worry about it a whole lot because that scent's not going to be there for too long. And I think they, yeah. maybe they're a little weary of it the first couple of times, but then they realize it ain't a threat. Yeah. And they come back and the scent's gone anyway. Yeah. You know, but definitely want to watch it when you're walking in there and walking out of there because you can hurt yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's still another trip in there where you're really wanting the deer to be, you know, uh, is around your camera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're still you're still making another trip right in there with them. That's right. Uh, you got to be smart about it. Yep. And maybe. That's the reason you get an old buck like uh, they were talking about in that second story. Maybe he's got you figured out where you're coming into that camera so he knows there's there's something ain't right over there by that camera. So, But yep. rather than leaving all together, he just shifts his pattern 50 oh, yeah. yards or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, and then comes in and out that way so you never see him on the camera, but he's still there. Yeah. Uh, that could be something that goes into it too. So yep. watching that definitely help as well. Yep. And I've noticed spots... Uh... Uh, I'll have young bucks, uh, you know, little eight pointers, two year olds, even three year olds, you know, um, they'll come in, they'll do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Half an hour before dark, they're out messing around on the food plot, you know. Right. Um, a buck that I would much rather shoot might come sneaking in, uh, and he'll stay inside the woods 10 yards, you mm-hmm. know, um, and he won't walk in front of that camera. He's going to stay in the woods. He'll look and see what's going on, you know. Uh, but he'll stay in the woods till dark, yep. uh, which can be good. I mean, that might put him closer to you, <laughs> right. Uh, right? But he might not be hitting that camera, you know. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times they do have things figured out, mm-hmm. you know. I um, think so too. Yeah. And and like you're talking about, maybe he's staying in there. Maybe he never does go in front of that camera. Maybe yep. you do get a nighttime picture of him, or maybe 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 he just never makes it to that camera. He stops there inside the woods, doesn't like something, or he just goes a different way into the plot and outside of your camera's range. Yep. You know, so. And then that's another thing. Maybe he's standing there inside the woods 30 yards from your stand, but 40 yards from your camera, and all you're ever getting of him is nighttime pictures. And you think, well, he ain't, you know, I can't go in there after him because he's only in there at night anyway. Yep. You know, but he's 30 yards from your stand for 20 minutes before daylight's over. So that's the thing to think about, too. Yep. You know, that's right. Whether they're on the camera at night or daylight, they got to come from somewhere. Oh yeah, you know. So that's that's the thing to look at too. Those timestamps can be really handy, and making sure you got the right timestamps oh, on yeah. your camera. Oh, that's critical. Yeah, uh, I always do try to make sure that those are correct. And uh, daylight savings time, make sure you're changing mm-hmm. them. You that's know, right. Uh, when time change happens, uh, but yeah, whatever you can do to try to put him in front of the camera, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, make those mock scrapes. You know, if you're in a good spot where you can do that, mm-hmm. uh, ideally. I'm going to make a mock scrape uh, or find a place where they've historically always made a scrape. Right. Um, and I'll try to put that in the edge of my camera lens and the rest of my camera's facing the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose at that point you kind of got like a plot watching camera, you know. Right. Every time something triggers it close, you can also see what's out there in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I don't have a good tree, I'm going to drive a T-post in the ground, you know. Yep. Uh, I'm not opposed to that. Um, putting it th- right there where I want uh pinch points funnels you know mm-hmm. creek crossings man i like creek crossings yep. Yep. Uh, if you can get a, a good dedicated creek crossing spot anything to try to put him in front of the camera there mm-hmm. uh, head of a ditch you know where, oh, yeah. where they end you got a big old gnarly ditch on the property that they don't necessarily want to cross but yep come around the end of that ditch you know just like a creek crossing or a fence crossing or something of that yep. nature 
I, I don't want to crawl through a big old deep ditch if I don't have to, and they don't either. They don't either. That's know? right. And and that's that's all stuff that probably goes into a lot of guys not being successful with their trail cameras. It's a little stuff like that. And I know we touched on it just a little bit earlier, but the historic thing, deer are creatures of habit. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they may only hit a rub one time yep. that year. Yep. But they'll come back and hit it again next year. Yep. You know, they'll come back and hit it again the next year. And if you got your camera on it, then at least you know he's there. You yep. know, it may not be a spot you necessarily want to hunt over because a lot of times those rubs will be worked at night. Oh, yeah. And like I said, maybe only once a year. So you got to get real lucky to catch him on it. Yeah. But it's a good place for a camera because you know those bucks are coming back to that spot. And then as far as trails, uh, uh, we talked about this a little bit before we got on. Uh, and I know we, we said something about uh, putting them on the right trails and such. A lot of times what I'll see with clients when we go is they'll have their camera on a tree and maybe just because it's the only tree there is good enough because they mm-hmm. don't think about driving a T-post in like what you're talking about, which yeah. is something definitely to keep in mind just because yeah. there ain't a good tree there and that's a good spot for a camera. doesn't mean you can't have one there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, get creative if you have to. Find a way to get that camera there. But as far as the trails go, generally as long as it's not going to kill you with the sun or something like that, Try to go up and down that trail because that's going to give your camera a lot more time for that trigger speed. Oh, yeah. If there's something sure. trotting up or down that trail, yep. get them coming or going instead of just that split second that they're going, you know, parallel to the camera. Yep. That's or right. Perpendicular to the camera. Yeah. And uh, get them coming up and down that trail. Oh, yeah. And then that gives sure. you more time. The camera goes off. Maybe it's a second trigger speed or a half second or whatever it is, but they're only in front of that camera for that much time. At least you can still see them as they're heading up the trail. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, and a lot of times, you know, in November, he got those bucks chasing does. They're moving through there pretty good. Yep. So you may get a picture of the doe and then nothing, nothing. And then your camera's waiting to come back because you got it on three second burst with a 15 second interval. Yep. And that buck's already gone by. Well, if you got it pointing up that trail, maybe you still catch him where they stopped yes. or something just up there. Or That's right. Or he's still, he's that much farther behind her and that 10 seconds is gone. And then here he comes through and you still get the picture of him. Yep. That's right. But uh, that's that's kind of hopefully going to help you guys out with your cameras. Uh, you you want to add anything else on that? Anything? Uh, try to be smart about it. Try. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to go out of my way uh, to ensure that I think I'm being smart right, about what right. I'm doing with it. You know, yeah. uh, patience. Uh, don't go check them all the time. I mean, uh, uh, this time of year, it's mid-September now. Uh Bucks, I feel like they're really establishing their uh, their home fall range now. I feel like I see a shift in buck movement, uh, bucks that are around this time of year. Um, be patient, you know, uh, once season gets in here, really be patient with those cameras. Um, if you're not seeing the movement that you want to, don't get discouraged, you know, um, But uh, and try to put them in a good spot. Look for the funnels. I mean, just like you'd want for your tree stand, you know, yep. look for the funnels creek crossings any, anything that's going to put him there close to you you know uh, where you want to be um and don't point it toward the sun <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> right i think that's making an extension of you being in the woods so yeah. you can't spend all your time in the woods but you can have that camera out there so try to put it where you'd want to be yep you know looking the way you'd want to look so like i said we're going to try to do this every week every other week i'll try to have someone in here if nate can't make it get one of the other guys uh, maybe i end up doing something by myself but hopefully we'll be able to get 
get something out to you guys because I know there's just a ton of misinformation, whether it's on Facebook groups or whether it's on, you know, some of the TV shows where they're just trying to sell a product or even in some of these magazines, you know, they're trying to sell stuff, trying to make a living just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, so try to clear some of that stuff up. Um, hopefully, it'll be helpful to you guys. You can learn something, uh, have a little fun, too, while we're listening. Um, if you guys liked it, if you want to support it, go check out RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Go check out RidgeHunterConsulting.com. Um, there's emails on there where you can get a hold of us. If you guys got questions, got something you'd like us to cover, also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, uh, you can find us there. Um, the website's a good way to support us. Go on there. We got whatever you need for hunting. Got some apparel and stuff like that, too. Um, right now, next week, I'll try to get into more of where you guys can find this podcast Right now, we're looking at Spotify, some of the other stuff. Um, eventually, hopefully, going to try to do some video so it'll be on YouTube, too, because we want to get this stuff out there to you guys, you know, as best we can. So, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll try to get another one in next week. Thanks, guys.